I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Again, I'm going to ask you to join me as we turn this studio into a sanctuary 
and bring our praises to Almighty God. What a great opportunity I have of bringing you this message, and how thankful I am for you for being a part of it. I'm also grateful for our singers. They bless us each week. My prayer is always that the message and the music will be a special blessing to you and that you will be glad you tuned in to this particular service. Our scripture lesson comes from Colossians. Tonight, we're going to read from the third chapter, just a few verses. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is, your life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The late Dallas Willard, who was a former professor of philosophy, liked to tell the story of the dog races in Florida. He said the dogs were trained to chase this electric rabbit. But he said one night the rabbit broke down and the dogs actually caught up with the rabbit. And when they did, they didn't know what to do. They just started yelping and barking and actually biting each other. They were confused and didn't even know what was happening. Dallas Willard said this reminded him of what happens to so many people when they catch up with the rabbits in their lives. Whether it's wealth or fame or a larger house or whatever, the prize is not exactly what they thought it would be. When I read that illustration, I thought to myself that everybody needs a goal or a purpose big enough to live by. And everybody does. Everybody needs a rabbit that won't break down. Some time ago, there was a young man that wanted to be in television. So he was given the opportunity to star in a particular series. He went to the studio. He said his parking space was there with his name on it. The staff was so kind to him. There was a star on his dressing room door. The pilot was shot in five days, but when it was concluded, the executive rejected it. He said on the way out, nobody spoke to him. He said his dressing room door was locked. He said the people were kind of rude to him. There was no parking space with his name on it. And then he said this. He said, all the success was like smoke. He said, when I got my mouth around it, it was like cotton candy. It was gone. All the success was like smoke. That sounds like a rabbit breaking down. A tennis champion was asked how this person felt about beating the grace like Serena Williams. She said, well, it makes all the traveling and all the suffering and all the practicing worthwhile. And she said, I feel like I own the world. And somebody asked her, well, how long does that feeling last? She said, about two minutes, about two minutes. Again, sounds like a rabbit breaking down to me. C.S. Lewis gave us insight. He says, our Heavenly Father has provided many delightful ends, I-N-N-S, for us along our journey. But he tends and he takes great care to see that we do not mistake any of them for home. I repeat, when I read that illustration, I thought everybody needs a goal or a purpose big enough to live by, and everybody does. Everybody does. We don't need a rabbit that's going to break down. Perhaps Paul can help us in our text. He says, set your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. When a person is baptized, that person dies and rises. 
when we rise, we are supposed to rise with a difference. What is that difference? We set our minds on things above and not on things of the earth. In other words, we see life against the background of eternity. We see life through God's eyes and not our own eyes. So here's the question. What are the characteristics of a rabbit that won't break down? First of all, it's something that transcends the individual life. It's something that transcends the individual life. It could be expressed this way. I want to make the world a better place. A minister said he saw a friend of his not too long ago. He hadn't seen this person in a year. They met in a hotel lobby, so they decided to have lunch. As they were sitting there, the minister asked the friend, what has God been teaching you this year? What the friend said, bless the minister. The friend said, what has God been teaching me this year? He's been teaching me that it's not about me. He's been teaching me that it's not about me. In the preface of Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life, I think the greatest statement was this one. He said, it's not about you. It's not about you. Then he says, the purposes of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. If you want to know why you're here, then you have to begin with God. There was a guide in a museum. His job was very simple. It was show them the paintings, answer the questions, step out of the way. Initially, everything went well. When the people would come, he would show them masterpieces. They would ask a few questions, and always he was out of the way. This is Monet, he would say. The people would ask the questions, and then they would move on to another masterpiece. This is Rembrandt, and he would step out of the way. They would ask a few questions. And so he loved this job. It was a simple job, a great job, but it finally became a prideful job because, you see, he stopped stepping out of the way. When the people would come to see the paintings, he would thank them for their comments. He would not get into the background. He stayed in the front. And finally, this young guy seemed to be between him and the people. They couldn't see the masterpieces because of him. The very paintings he was supposed to reveal, he concealed. And so finally, the supervisor came and said, you know, it's not about you. It's about the great masterpieces. So, beloved, hear me now. It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about making God's world a better world. And this also has something to do with community. The focus is always on community. Jesus chose 12 disciples. Don't you imagine they sort of felt funny as they went along, suddenly realized they were going to have to live with 11 other people that they had never set out to live with? Jesus also told them, he said, if you're going to, to love them, you have to love them like I love you. So he was really spelling it out for them. They were supposed to have great times, but things changed as they went along. After they were told that they loved each other, then they suddenly realized that when Jesus told people to love each other, he would always be interested in other people. So if you are going to love Jesus, you're going to have to love other people. It's always that way. The question to Christians is always, where is your brother? Where is your sister? I read something the other day that a minister said he was always be ashamed of for the rest of his life. He said one day he went into the hospital to visit someone. This was a hospital for people who had brain injuries. He went in there and he said this person he was visiting suddenly became agitated and wanted to visit other rooms. So he said he decided to go with him. They would look in the room and this fellow was looking as if he was trying to find someone. 
but they went into this big room and there was nobody seated around the tables except two janitors were buffing the floors at the end of the room. And the pastor said to his friend, he said, there's nobody in here. But immediately the word came from one of those janitors, what do you mean nobody? We aren't nobody. That minister said he couldn't believe he had said that. He had actually not seen them, though he had seen them. He had actually not seen them. The question always to us is, where is your brother? Where is your sister? A father took his son who wanted to play soccer. He took him to practice for the first time. And to his chagrin, he found out there was no coach. And so he was elected to be the coach. He had never played soccer. He didn't know the rules. He didn't know the offense from the defenses. So he said after several hours, he suddenly realized, out of boy, wasn't going to do anymore. But he said, then another father came and he volunteered to help and he had coached soccer. He had played soccer. And so this first dad was so grateful, he was delighted to turn over the head coachship to him. And he became his support and his encourager. That's a rabbit that won't break down. I read about a fellow in the northeast section of this country. His textile company burned to the ground, but he kept paying his employees because he knew they couldn't make it without it. There again is a rabbit that won't break down. So what are the characteristics of a rabbit that won't break down? First of all, it goes beyond an individual life. And then secondly, it's something that identifies with the larger context. And the larger context always identifies with eternal life. Bob Buford, this ultra-successful businessman and this Christian servant, said that people were always telling him this, and he always appreciated what they said. They said, Bob, you'll never know the effect of what you are doing in this lifetime. He said, I love what they said. The implication here is that there's another life where these things will be more important than they are here. Paul says, let Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Look at things through the eyes and viewpoint of God. Look at things through the background of eternity. You remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Well, you remember that there was this opinionated sort of mean old spinster whose son got her a chauffeur. Well, she gave this chauffeur a hard time. She was always on his case, but he handled it so gracefully Finally, this strong, opinionated woman began to change. And toward the end of the picture, we see this woman in a nursing home. She has to be there because she needs to be there for her health, and her black chauffeur is there with her, ministering to her because they're now friends and sharing compassion with one another. And one of the last scenes is when they are grasping their hands. It's a shadow of the kingdom. Let me tell you something. The shadow of the kingdom means that we are always working for compassion, for kindness, for goodness, for peace, for reconciliation, for justice. That's what it means. And so we have to remember it always has something to do, something to do with eternal life. And then secondly, the larger context has to do with meaningful relationships. Now, all of us have the same amount of time. But let me tell you something, beloved. If you put all of your time in work, you're going to have a relationship deficit. One of the saddest pictures I know in all the world is the picture of Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas Eve. He's sitting there by himself. He's eating his soup around a fire that he's made for one. His furnishings are going bad because nobody cares for them. This man has a lot of money, but it didn't help him with his friends. As someone put it, one plus zero equals zero. 
Now I want you to hear this word from God's word. It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Listen to these few verses. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though one might prevail against another, two will withstand one. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Solomon advises us to put our relationships first. Two are better than one for working. Let me ask you something. Many churches, they form these groups that go off to other countries to work and do mission projects, or sometimes they build houses together in this country, things like that. Isn't it amazing how close those people get to one another? When they first start, they have a lot of inhibitions, but these inhibitions begin to go, and they begin to be real friends. Two are better than one for walking. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. The writer of Genesis says, it is not good for humankind to be alone. In other words, we are made for companionship. Two are better than one for, for rest. You know, it's wonderful, and it's comforting, and it brings security and peace, having someone sleep beside you. Two are better than one for watchfulness. Of course, there is strength in numbers. A few years ago, I went to South Africa with the World Methodist Council, and we, at night, would meet in our hotels for our meetings and our worship. But one night, we had to go to St. John's Church, which was several blocks away from the hotel. They advised us to walk in groups of eight to ten. It had something to do with our safety. And I think this was at least part of the reason Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. It had to do with meaningful relationships. So the larger context always has to do with meaningful relationships. And then the larger context has to do with a compelling purpose. Someone asked, what is the greatest thing in life? Someone else answered, to know one's purpose. To know one's purpose. Now, when I get to the end of my life, somebody's going to say, Brady was a failure in golf. And you know, they'll be right. I used to play a lot better than I do now. Somebody else is going to say, Brady was a failure in tennis. And they'll be absolutely right. But I want you to know, I chose to be a failure in those two sports because, you see, my meaning and my purpose in life is not found there. It's found somewhere else. You remember Nehemiah. He was rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. In spite of all his critics and all the things that were against him, he said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down now. So what are the characteristics of a rabbit that won't break down? It has to do with a larger context. It has to do with eternal life, meaningful relationships, and a compelling purpose to be sure. And then one other thing. Finally, it's something that enables friendship with God. Let me tell you something. If we're friends with God, we don't have to worry about any rabbit ever breaking down if we're friends with God. A minister acquaintance said that he told the fact that he had Pete Rose's autographed baseball. It said to Mike, sign Pete. He also had Pete Rose's bat. He also went to the games where Pete Rose starred. He really knew all about Pete Rose, but he had never met Pete Rose. Now, knowing about Pete Rose didn't mean that he was related in any sense in a relationship with Pete Rose. Same way with God. Just to know about God doesn't mean that we are in relationship with God. What is a relationship? It has to do with, with love, and it has to do with thoughtfulness. 
between individuals, between groups, between people. That's what a relationship is. So I want to ask you this question. What does my relationship with God do for me? I just simply want to say, how can we be friends with God? First of all, through constant conversation. Ruth Bell Graham, Billy Graham's late wife, said that when she was in the kitchen at the scene, she had a sign that said, Divine Service three times a day. She understood that when she was washing the dishes, if she was washing the dishes in the presence of God, and if she was in conversation with God, it created a great worship place. And then through continual meditation, there is no way we are going to understand God if we don't understand God's Word. That's for sure. And then thirdly, through being obedient to God. That's another way we become friends with God. Jesus said, you shall be my friends if you do what I command you. It has been said that God expects great things from us, and he certainly does. But I think God would rather have small things from us if they're done in the correct fellowship and if they're done in cooperation and in obedience to his commands. And then finally, through desiring friendship with God, God becomes our first priority. What was it that the prophet Jeremiah said? He said, you will seek me and find me if you seek me with your whole heart. If you seek me with your whole heart. Well, one more time. Everybody needs a rabbit that won't break down. I hope you've heard this message. God bless. Let us pray. Lord, thank you again for this time together. Thank you for the people who watch this ministry. Help us, O oh God, to be faithful to you in all things, to lift you up. We pray for our country, and we pray for the world. We pray for these crisis spots. Give our leaders insight and wisdom. Help them to know what to do and to discern your will in the process. Thank you again for your blessing among us. It's in your name. Amen. Good night. Capture you. I
Thank you for listening to Dr. Hal Brady, whose television broadcast is seen weekly in Atlanta on the Atlanta Interfaith Broadcasters Network. Dr. Brady's sermons are also available online, and ministry updates are posted on Facebook. With your help, we are able to share the gospel online and on the air, so please consider a donation to Hal Brady Ministries. Donations can be mailed to Hal Brady Ministries, Inc., Post Office Box 1367, Decatur, Georgia, 30031, or you can give securely online at HalBradyMinistries.com. We are grateful for your prayers and support and hope you'll continue to partner with us. If you have any prayer requests, please be in touch. Thank you.